Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Conspiracy Theories and Unpopular Culture. I am your host, Isaac Wiseop. Today we continue our September Stranger Things Spectacular. We already talked about Season 1. And that was the foundation you're going to need to understand Season 4. And this is not for... Look, this is not for those weak at heart. This isn't for the noobs. This is... I. You've been listening to my show long enough... We're putting it in fifth gear, and we're going for it. We're accelerating, and uh, we're going to discuss all of the occult symbolism of Stranger Things Season 4. This is actually a very excellent case study for the entire Illuminati agenda. The occult symbolism, and the occult messaging, and the occult plans, the indoctrination, the messaging... To the listeners, the viewers, it all comes together here in Stranger Things Season 4. So if you haven't seen it, I would ask of you to do so. But if you haven't, that's okay too. I'm going to walk you through this whole damn season. Four episodes we're going to do. It's going to be the biggest deep dive into the symbolism behind Stranger Things in the entire planet. The whole world. The whole globe. Flat or not. This is going to be epic. I watched this series twice. If you watch the series once, you know that is not a task to be taken lightly. That's 26 hours of watching that I did for you because it's very important. So like I do with every movie that I review, I'm going to give you a little preamble for 15, 20, 30 minutes maybe about the show, who's in it, eh, maybe 15 minutes. Should you watch Stranger Things Season 4... Before you listen to these shows, absolutely. You don't have to. I'm going to walk you through the whole plot. But I'm going to spoil it in the process. And I actually like Stranger Things. I like all of the seasons. I think they're great. Uh, But yeah, season four is the longest one. 13 hours, my God. I don't say that too flippantly that you should watch it. I get it. That's a lot of time to devote to one season. Especially if you're not familiar with the show and you want to watch seasons one, two, and three. But yes, it was good. Who's in it? It's all the people from the show. You already know who's in it. The biggest star, probably Winona Ryder. You know her from such films as Beetlejuice, Heathers, Bram Stoker's Dracula, all classic movies. Edward Scissorhands. Fun fact, I've never seen Edward Scissorhands. 
we talked about Winona Ryder on my recent Johnny Depp symbolism show because she was with him for a few years in the 90s. She has some very occult connections that we're going to cover on this show. The show also stars Millie Bobby Brown. She is the character Eleven. And again, we're going to go deep into her storyline, so we're not going to go further into it. But she, this is her sort of breakout role, her first role maybe. Drake and her infamously had a text message relationship of sorts when she was very underage. Very strange. A lot of people thought that was inappropriate, myself included. But hey, I wasn't there. They both say everything's kosher. Matthew Modine from Full Metal Jacket. He played Private Joker. We love Stanley Kubrick here on this show. Recall on the... I did a podcast about the symbolism of Top Gun from 1986. Recall that we talked about Matthew Modine there because he turned down the role of Maverick because he was anti-war. He was about that action. He was about that life. And I feel like you can be anti-war and pro-military at the same time, like support the military. Am I wrong? I don't know. What do you think? Noah Schnapp, he plays Will Byers. He was recently in the news because he uploaded a screenshot of a conversation between him and Doja Cat. She slid in the DMs asking for the contact info of Joseph Quinn, who's the guy who plays Eddie on this season four. New character in the show. It also stars Maya Ray Thurman Hawk. She's got a much smaller role in season four than she did in season three. But what's interesting is she is the daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. And those two hooked up on the set of Gattaca, a great movie. I haven't covered that one yet. Someday I might. It's very transhuman, utopia, whatever. Fun fact, she also played Linda Kasabian from the Manson family in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And you know the rest of the characters. We're not going to go through it. How long is this show... It's nine episodes, 13 hours. Ugh, painful. But they're all very good. So if you got the time, go for it. And we're already done. Look at this. We're already through it. We're going to get into uh, the show here. And then also shout out to Ruslan for planting the seed. I was fully out of Stranger Things. I watched the first season, did the show on it. Watched the second season. It was kind of like, eh. Didn't watch season three. But then Ruslan said, hey, Isaac, check out season three. Because they had a heavy... A strange plot line about, you know, a lot of Russia fear tactics on this show. But it was the 80s, right? The big the big uh, Cold War was in effect. Uh, but it also plays a role in season four as well. So, And we're going to talk about all these things. So plot spoilers coming. If you're ready, join me and we will get into Stranger Things season four. Let's go. can even hear this. 
Ever since you left, everything's been a total disaster. For a while, we tried to be happy. Normal. I know that's impossible. you guys far from Hawkins because I thought you'd be safe a war is coming I'm afraid your friends at Hawkins are very much in the eye of the storm I don't have my powers to say this other than just to say it without you we can't win this war listen up we've seen so many people making ridiculous money from crypto but did you know it's easy for you to also do the same yes the Copy My Crypto membership site shows you the coins that YouTuber James McMahon personally holds and allows you to copy him. It's like having a big brother who knows what he's doing. You don't need to know a thing about crypto or how to invest. You simply do what he does. So let me tell you more about James. He runs the Crypto with James YouTube channel, which despite heavy censorship has over 14,000 subscribers and 900,000 views. Since March 2020, he told his audience to buy 26 different crypto coins. Had you put 100 bucks into each one, it would now be worth over $53,000. Of the 26 coins, his top pick of the year, a coin called Phantom, is currently up over 440 times from when he said that one call alone has retired a number of people, including guys in their 20s and 30s. Remember, this is public knowledge. You can go to YouTube and verify all this for yourself. So if you'd like to join the 1,300 members who copy James, myself included, by the way, I'm one of those members. Yeah, indeed. I, I copy James's advice as well. Because, look, here's the thing. I don't have time to research all these crazy coins. You probably don't either. Or maybe you don't know uh, a thing about crypto or how to even research these things. It doesn't matter. You just follow James. It's just that easy. So you can stop what you're doing. Head over to copymycrypto.com forward slash Isaac. You'll not only find proof of everything I've said, but my listeners get full access for just $1. You won't find this offer anywhere else. Act fast because the offer ends soon. That's copymycrypto.com forward slash Isaac. I-S-A-A-C. A lot of people mess that up. It's not two S's. It's two A's. Two A's for, I don't know, double awesome. So copymycrypto.com forward slash I-S-A-A-C. Don't take this offer lightly. It's the real deal. Go visit the website now. Link in the show notes as always. Now, like I was saying, this this whole season is a continuation of season three, basically. I feel like you have to have seen those, but not entirely necessary. It's set in March 1986, three months or no, eight months after season three. All right. Now let's get into it. The show starts out. We're in the, the whole the episode is called the Hellfire Club. Referring to the Dungeons and Dragons Club that Eddie Munson runs. With all the the kids that stayed back in Hawkins, Indiana. 
and we have to talk about Hellfire Club. This is actually the early predecessor to the Bohemian Grove. It was also the predecessor to Aleister Crowley's Abbey of Thelema. All right. What it was is originally, back in the 1700s, there was this club of high society Brits started by Philip, a Duke of uh, Wharton. And he made this club where all these high power social figures could do debaucherous acts in their secret little club. They would poke fun at religion, you know, blasphemous heresy, especially back in the day. They'd dress up as biblical characters, make some, uh, you know, sexy time. And they had a president of the Bohemian, of the Hellfire Club. That was the devil, literally. But they say, oh, it was all in satire, just jokes. Just like the Bohemian Grove cremation of care ceremony where they burn up an effigy of a child to the giant owl god Minerva out in the woods with all the elites. Very similar, right? And the difference would be that the Bohemian Grove is a boys club. And Richard Nixon infamously said that he went and it was a bunch of F-A-G-S, you know. No, I think he said it was the most F-A-G-G-Y thing he had ever seen or something like that. Uh, Because it's all dudes. It's the bro-down showdown in the woods. What do you think is going to happen with the bro-down showdown in the woods? You get a little too much liquor, you know. Just a couple of dudes out there in the woods staring at each other. Nothing but time on their hands. <laughs> but um, the Hellfire Club, they allowed both uh, females and males in there. Because like I said, they were throwing down orgies, right? Now, Philip Duke of Wharton, he shut it down because his political enemies exposed him for this crazy thing they were doing, right? And then he went into Freemasonry. He became the Grand Master of England. Then Sir Francis Dashwood rebooted this whole thing. And he put the motto of Francois Rabelais, do what thou wilt, from a, uh, there was a story at the time, a fictional story about the Abbey of Thelema, and that was the motto there. Again, it was very debaucherous, kind of do whatever you want. And yes, Crowley would in fact use this for his religion called Thelema, which means will, Thalima being the religion dictated to him through the book of the law, through his alien contact, Awas. Now, and we're going to talk about Aleister Crowley throughout this whole season. Ben Franklin infamously went to Sir Francis Dashwood's parties down in the Hellfire Club. So much so that one of the caves in which they were doing these parties is named after Ben Franklin. Because remember, the Founding Fathers were not trying to establish a Christian nation. They were deists. They were Freemasons. America is based on the idea of leaving uh, 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 this division of the church and state. Because back in the day in Europe and England and all that, it was the monarchy and the church making all the rules, telling everybody what to do. And then they sparked the French Revolution, the Illuminati, where they were like, we're not doing this no more. And America was founded on that principle. Now, this isn't the first... Stranger Things Season 4 referencing the Hellfire Club is not the first time this has happened. 
Uh, there's several examples referencing it. I, in fact, I just watched the Satanic Rites of Dracula, a Hammer Horror movie. It's terrible, by the way. Not my favorite. They refer to the Hellfire Club as a group of elites. In the Moonraker novel by Ian Fleming, you know, the James Bond author, he references it as a place of magical significance, all of which is very accurate, right? Freaking uh, Jake Tapper from CNN, he wrote a book called The Hellfire Club, a fictional novel, but it's about politicians stumbling into these uh, political secret societies. I haven't read it. I won't. I don't care to. But I'm sure that's what it's about. X-Men has a Hellfire Club. Uh, the Sandman comic. A show that I tapped out on. I watched like three quarters of the season of Sandman. And I was like, oh, brother, this is so awful. I tapped out. Uh, the Sandman comic references the Hellfire Club as a bar in the underworld. Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures. One of my favorite shows. <laughs> Zach, Zach Bagans and the fellas went to a location of the Hellfire Club. And then, of course, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, his last film. A film I discussed many times. I think I got seven different episodes on the in the past. A whole series. That's supposed to be based, the Gnostic orgy scene is supposed to be based upon these types of events where the elites get together, do debaucherous things. All right? So the whole episode is called The Hellfire Club. And it starts out, and we see someone filling out a crossword puzzle, right? And this crossword puzzle, we see, uh, if you if you pause it and freeze frame it like a, a psycho like me does, again, and I'll put all, all these images that I speak about on Instagram.com backslash Isaac Weishaupt, like and subscribe. There's going to be tons and tons of images you got to look at. This is no longer an option. I don't know who doesn't have Instagram at this point, but get it and take a look. Instagram.com backslash Isaac Weishaupt. Link will be in the show notes. I'll see you over there, all right? But on the crossword puzzle, if you pause it and take a look, you'll see uh, the word stag, which is relevant to the pagan religions. They worship the stag god, the witches, witchcraft. Uh, we also talked about this on our True Detective. I think that might have just been a blog post. I don't, back in like... When, when did True Detective come out? 2015? I think I was just blogging back then. Um, anyway, the, the more important reference is 63 Across says Leary. All right. Now, and we find out Matthew Modine, a.k.a. Papa, a.k.a. Dr. Brenner. This is him filling out the crossword puzzle. And he's this is 1979. So before the events of Stranger Things. He's at the Hawkins Research Lab, and and if you if you if you look around the room during the during the thing, you'll see that there is kids doing puzzles, and that includes labyrinths and chess. And the room has a rainbow stripe. These are all Illuminati symbolism, right? The labyrinth shows up in uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. It was supposed to represent the initiate going through the maze to come out the other side enlightened, which is, again, what you see in Westworld, right? Remember Westworld season one? Then chess, of course, you've got the Freemasonry connection, and then the rainbow we'll talk about later. I know, there's so much to get into here. So much to unpack. But we get a flashback of what 
informs the viewer that Eleven seemed to have gone crazy at the research lab and killed all these other kids with her. Seems. Seems to be what happened. And they they kind of recap all the stuff we already know. They're teaching kids paranormal, supernatural powers, second sight, remote viewing, all these things at the Hawkins Research Lab. Very similar to Project Stargate. CIA-run programs to make contact with aliens and all that stuff. I talked about that in my books, Aliens, UFOs, and the Occult, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. We talked about Project Stargate. Plays a role here in the occult future of America. Now, the fact that we saw Leary on the crossword puzzle is not by accident, right? Someone's got to write these things on there. Well, the reason we saw that If you want to piggyback off of the season one analysis that I had you listen to, which you should have, you need that for this season four analysis. Winona Ryder connects into all this. She, of course, plays Joyce Byers. Her father worked for Timothy Leary. Okay, that's why Wino Forever's godfather is Timothy Leary. That's a joke. Wino Forever is Winona Ryder. Johnny Depp infamously had the tattoo of Winona Forever. They got split up and he changed it to Wino Forever. Prophetically pointing out the issues he would have with Amber Heard at the trial. Now, Winona Ryder's middle name is Laura because her parents were also friends with a woman named Laura Huxley who was married to Aldous Huxley. All right, And if you're putting all these pieces together... And their friends were also, uh, their parents were also friends with Allen Ginsberg. So if you're putting all the pieces together, the beat movement was very tied into the psychedelics, right? So Huxley wrote the Doors of Perception. Huxley was introduced to mescaline, which opened his Doors of Perception through Aleister Crowley. Yes, it's all connected here, right? It's only six degrees of separation between Aleister Crowley and Winona Ryder. And Crowley shows his scary bald head throughout this whole show. Now, Leary infamously alleged to be part of the MK Ultra program because he popularized LSD. He was the guy who, who famously gave us the phrase, turn on, tune in, and drop out. Because he was a psychologi- uh, psychologist at Harvard, and he started the Harvard Psilocybin Project with Richard Halpern, a.k.a. Ram Dass, who wrote Be Here Now. Because they did some shroomies. But anyway, he tried to experiment in uh, LSD and shroomies at the Concord Prison Experiment in the early 60s to see if prisoners could be helped with these things. And turns out, fast forward 60 years, and sure enough, psychedelics are very powerful in assisting in therapy. It's about, uh, if you want to look at it from a psychology therapist perspective, you have to suppress the ego to allow the other faculties of the mind to operate to try to make a better sense of reality. I'm no doctor, but that's my understanding of it. And sure enough, the Concord Prison Experiment worked. It helped. So the U.S. government promptly made LSD and shroomies illegal (laughs) because they want to keep the prisons populated. Yes. Department of Corrections is actually the the Department of Punishment. There is no correction happening. Maybe they should allow these psychedelics and therapists in the prisons. Maybe we could fix some problems, but 
they're not interested in fixing problems. So Larry connects into MK Ultra because again he was pursuing LSD, um, inspired by Sidney Gottlieb. Sidney Gottlieb is the guy who started MK Ultra. But this was after uh, Tim Leary read the now famous article in Life magazine about a couple that went down to Oaxaca, Mexico and took psilocybin, magic mushrooms, and had this profound experience. Now, that article in Life, um, apparently, we find out, was about an experience funded and promoted by the CIA and Gottlieb Cindy Gottlieb, the guy who started MKUltra, was interested in trying to get Americans interested in psychedelics so that they could research it because they were worried about mind-controlling drugs from the Soviet Union. Again, the Cold War, right? So Gottlieb allegedly bought this entire, uh, the entire world supply of LSD after Albert Hoffman synthesized it in the 1950s using money black funds through the CIA. It's a very fascinating story. There's an interview with NPR's Fresh Air. Terry Gross interviews Stephen Kinzer, a journalist who investigated MKUltra. And I'm going to read to you from it. Uh, What he did not know and had no way of knowing is that the expedition to Mexico that produced the Life magazine article was paid for by Sidney Gottlieb and the CIA. It was part of his effort to test all kinds of substances, referring to Timothy Leary, all right? Including naturally occurring ones like shrubs and trees and barks and mushrooms and fish parts and animal pieces as possible tools for mind control. So it's not surprising that later on in life, Tim Leary said the entire LSD movement was started by the CIA. If he had known better, he would have said it was founded by the CIA and in particular, Sidney Gottlieb. So Terry Gross asks, so just so I understand this correctly, the CIA basically set up phony philanthropic foundations, say that three times fast, <laughs> which, which then funded university and college research, and it's through those research experiments that people like Ginsburg and Casey and Robert Hunter got introduced to LSD. And the university researchers had no idea that their research was actually being funded by the CIA. Steve Kinzer responds, I think that's largely correct. And this whole topic is fascinating, all right? Sidney Gottlieb, a Jew, hired former Nazis who don't like Jews to come and lecture for the CIA at Fort Dietrich in Maryland on their experiments with Jewish concentration camp victims with mescaline and poison and mind control and all this stuff. And it's curious because the same prosecution at Nuremberg trials would have actually imprisoned Sidney Gottlieb in America if we had played by those rules. So when we see Leary on the crossword puzzle, it's there on purpose. He's intimately involved in all of these crazy conspiracy theories that are actually real. All right. So... To get back into the story, geez, this is taking forever, isn't it? But we got nowhere to go. We got plenty of time. Like I said, all September is devoted to Stranger Things. I hope you like it. I might drop a few other episodes. We'll see. If I have time. 
I'm going to drop a couple others. If you're not into Stranger Things, but you should be. Even if you don't like the show, stick around because a lot of the symbolism is very important to all of the topics we talk about all the time. So John, Will Byers, Joyce Byers, the Byers clan, and Eleven, they all went to Cali after season three. Eleven goes by the, the name Jane. And again, season three, she lost her superpowers. So she's in school, and guess what? She's getting bullied. But if she had her superpowers, she would she would have blasted on that ass, and they wouldn't have been bullying her anymore. But that's where she's at right now. Meanwhile, in Hawkins, Indiana, we've got Michael, Dusty, Max, and Lucas. Lucas, he's now on the preppy sports ball team. He's torn between worlds, right? He's got his nerdy D&D friends, and then he's got his new... Johnny Sportsball friends. And this is where we see Mike wearing the Hellfire Club shirt, his Dungeons and Dragons club. And Dungeons and Dragons, very illuminate confirm. It's peak satanic panic. It fueled the whole thing. And I do want to, again, we're going to take a minute here and go through Dungeons and Dragons. What is it? Where do we start? I actually know nothing of this game. I never played it as a kid. I was a strong Christian warrior as a child. I don't know that I would have played it. Not allowed. Not allowed. Wikipedia tells us it goes all the way back to 1974. Uh, every team has a dungeon master. That's actually played by Eddie Munson on this show. That's the, the game's sort of referee and storyteller. And each player is a character on this team, and they go on these different battles and adventures. You know, nerd stuff, right? Very nerdy. And what it did was it birthed an entire game genre called role-playing games. A lot of people might not realize that. I remember back when uh, role-playing games were not that popular. In fact, I had some choose-your-own-adventure books that were very much like role-playing games where you tracked your your characters' uh, like life points and all that stuff. So uh, let's go to a BBC article. They cite Brad King, who wrote a book, a definitive book on D&D, and Brad says, it was the first really interactive game. If you play board games, there's always an objective or goal. D&D is the opposite. It's about sitting down and telling stories with your friends, which is kind of what they show us on Stranger Things. Says, at the height of its popularity in the 1980s, the game became a target for cultural conservatives. The game was wrongly implicated in a missing persons case, a teen suicide, and a number of murders. Some schools banned the game, and many parents refused to let their children play. The controversy inspired a 1982 TV film, Mazes and Monsters, starring Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks? Oh, dear. A later cartoon series and a more recent film kept the brand name alive among non-players, but were derided by D&D fans. Fun fact, that Mazes and Monsters film starring Tom Hanks I actually bought about a year or two ago. I need to do a whole show on it. But uh, it was based on a true story, but of course they Hollywooded it up, and of course we got Tom Hanks. And it's not a good film. I remember I made it about halfway and tapped out when I bought it two years ago. The whole thing, I it looks like it was filmed on a graphing calculator. It's 
I mean, there's silent films with higher definition quality than this thing. So basically, the, the Christians said D&D is Satanism because of all the occult game aspects, right? Magic, sorcery, nudity, etc. Because in the Old Testament, I think it's Leviticus, they talk about how we shouldn't do divination and sorcery. And if you dig into it deeper, it's because the fallen angels, the watchers, came to earth and taught man all of this magic, the forbidden arts, for man to become like God. They were the Prometheus, Luciferian characters coming to earth to teach man about these things. I'm going to do a show about this topic on the book of Enoch, because that's where you can read it. Now, so, okay, so you know what Dungeons and Dragons is right now. So let's talk about the dungeon master, Eddie Munson. He's the leader, and they introduced him as Eddie Von Munson. Pretty cool name. I need to change my name. I'm still getting grief. People think I'm in the Illuminati and that my last name is Wise Up. Not true. So Eddie Von Munson, he's supposed to be like Damien Eccles from the West Memphis Three. And he's even mocking this article in Newsweek about satanic panic themes. The devil has come to America. Dungeons and Dragons. At first regarded as a harmless game of make-believe, now has both parents and psychologists concerned. Studies have linked violent behavior to the game, saying it promotes satanic worship, ritual sacrifice, sodomy, suicide, and even... Murder! <laughs> Shit, he seems really revved up tonight. He's always revved up. We'll just act casual. Casual. Casual, right. Okay. Totally. Society has to blame something. We're an easy target. Exactly. We're the freaks because we like to play a fantasy game. But as long as you're into band or science or or a game where you toss balls into laundry baskets. You want something, freak? <laughs> Prick. It's force conforming. That's what's killing the kids! <laughs> <laughs> That's the real monster. I got it. I got it. I got it. What about, what about Isaac von Hammerstein? That's a pretty cool name. That's pretty badass. Pretty metal. Now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. When it comes to relationships, I can tell you from personal experience that I have an issue of getting stuck focusing on the problems instead of the solutions. And I feel like, and I know that, this situation can get better with a different mindset. It's very tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when you're faced with a serious challenge. But when you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. A therapist can help you become a better problem-solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. Now, if you've heard me before, you know that I've been to therapy for many years. And it's actually one of the most important experiences of my entire life. It's forming my good habits of communication and my relationships. 
you really do need to bounce some ideas off of a professional that is able to listen and able to not be so emotionally attached to the situation or maybe the problem at hand. It's one of the many ways I try to manage my anxiety and deal with emotional healing and depression sometimes even. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and it's entirely online. You get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey. You can switch therapists at any time, which is actually very important. Sometimes the therapist and you don't really have that vibe, and you got to switch it out and try a different one. So if you want to become a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Illuminati Watcher today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Illuminati Watcher. Link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, Audible. With my new schedule and how I'm always on the go, I don't have a lot of time to do the things I want to do, like reading. That's why I love Audible. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, mysteries and thrillers, motivation, wellness, business, and more, including, yes, yours truly, Isaac Weisob. I've narrated, uh, I've got nine books on there on Audible. And you too can discover Audible exclusive originals from top celebrities, renowned experts, and exciting new voices in audio. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog including the latest bestsellers and new releases. All Audible members get access to a growing selection of audiobooks, Audible originals, and podcasts that are included with membership. You can listen to all you want and more get added every month. Now, I take this Audible app with me everywhere. We're doing the yard work. We're uh, Maybe I'm running to the grocery store. Drop that uh, Audible app on, and uh, you can knock out audiobooks while you're doing the mundane stuff. It's great. Right now, I'm listening to... Kate Stewart's The Finish Line. It's the third book in a trilogy. Josie Weishaupt put me on to these, uh, I don't know, romance, horny books. And my next book that I'm very excited to get into is going to be You Are the Universe, Deepak Chopra. I've also got a wish list built up. I've got William Gibson's Neuromancer, um, Garrett Graff's Raven Rock, uh, there's all, all kinds of great stuff on there. You, you need to check it out. So let Audible help you discover new ways to laugh, be inspired, or be entertained. New members can try it free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash Illuminati or text Illuminati to 500-500. That's audible.com slash Illuminati or text Illuminati to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash Illuminati. Link in the show notes as always. If you're like me, you're a sucker for mysteries, true crime, and once you put me back into a period piece with those old flapper 1920s era time frame, you got me. I'm all yours. So let me tell you about this game called June's Journey. We're going to escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance as you immerse yourself into the world of June's Journey, a hidden object mystery mobile game that puts your detective skills to the test. Play as June Parker and investigate Beautifully detailed scenes of the 1920s while uncovering the mystery of her sister's murder with hundreds of mind-teasing puzzles. The next clue is always within reach. Now, one thing I like is that it sharpens your vision to look for objects. In case I I ever make it on uh, one of these reality contest shows, I got to harness my puzzle skills and my visual acuity. And, and I, I learned what a pavilion, <laughs> when I was playing the game, I learned what a pavilion was. It's, it's basically a gazebo. I didn't know that. So I'm learning. All right. In each level, you search for hidden objects in New York parlors or, or uh, Paris sidewalks. 
trying to figure out this scandalous family secret of how June's sister died. It's got some mystery. It's got some danger. It's got some romance. I got the game on my phone right now, and I'm on chapter three, and I'm looking for clues on this crime scene photo because we're gonna we're gonna figure out who did this. And you're gonna love it. They play real like mad chill music, so it's kind of relaxing too. You get to customize your little luxurious estate with gardens and buildings and such. So look, if you're into detective work, solving clues, finding clues, scandalous family secrets, uh, you just want a fun little escape from the dreaded day job or whatever, this is your game. I enjoy playing it at the end of the day when I'm chilling in bed trying to unwind because it's just a nice little escape kind of game for me. And not only that, poor June, she needs my help to figure out how her sister died. And guess what? June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Anyway, um, so so clearly they're talking about satanic panic, right? Well, Damien Eccles, he is from the infamous West Memphis 3 case. Back in 1994, three teenage boys accused of murdering three children in a satanic ritual. Now, Damien Eccles was the supposed leader of this group. He was sentenced to death. The other two got life in prison. And in 2007, forensic evidence proved that someone else was involved that wasn't the, the three teenagers, right? Which led to the infamous Alfred plea bargains that got Damien Eccles and the, and the other two, the West Memphis Three, out of prison under the condition that they don't sue the state because they'd been in prison at 18 years at this point. 18 years of their lives taken away. Now, the satanic panic elements kick in with claims that Eccles told his psychologist that he got superpowers from drinking human blood and about how he was interested in occultism. What's interesting is the evidence against the teenagers included polygraphs and some admittances of guilt under interrogation. And when I read about this stuff, I thought, wow, these guys must have really did it. I mean, they admit it. Their polygraphs fail. Case closed, right? What I've learned over the years is that these are very shady practices. They can all be wrong. Um, especially when you add in that one of the mess, West Memphis three named, uh, miss Kelly, he was borderline mentally handicapped and they interrogated him without his parents for 12 hours. But he, and he later admitted, um, so for 12 hours, they interrogate this mentally handicapped kid, teenager. He admits to the guilt eventually because he broke down. That's what they do. But then later recanted, said he was scared and intimidated by the police because the police are allowed to lie to you. This is why I'm always so hard on law enforcement, right? Law and order. We need it. 
we need cops. We need laws. The problem is, and I don't think they have an easy job. I don't think detectives and cops have an easy job by any stretch. The problem is the human nature. Sometimes you can interrogate people for 8, 10, 12 hours and they start going loopy. And they start admitting to things they didn't even do. It sounds crazy, but it's what happens. Why they don't lawyer up immediately is beyond me. That's why I always tell people, like, you know, like, if the cops are going to be able to lie to you, I say don't talk to the cops. You got to lawyer up. They say right there in the Miranda rights, what you can, what you can, wait a minute, what you say can and will be used against you. So why say anything? Vicki Hutchinson, she was one of the key testimonies used to convict the West Memphis Three. She said she was at this Wicca meeting with Eccles, and Eccles admitted to killing the kids. But then later she retracts all of it after they're already in prison. And she says the police coerced her into saying it because they threatened to take her child away. So who do we believe here? I, I have a hard time trusting law enforcement. Because, you know, sometimes they got a job to do. They get tunnel vision. Maybe their ego gets in the way. People say, well, then who did it then? You know, it's been 30 years. Good question. It's too bad the police aren't interested in finding that out either. And, you know, that's why I I now tend to believe the West Memphis Three, Eccles and company, more than the police. Just this past month, Eccles was pushing to get some investigations done into the case. Uh, I got, Let me read you from the thing here. Damien, this is just this past month. Damien Eccles has filed an appeal to have advanced DNA testing done on ligatures that were collected in the murders of three eight-year-old boys in West Memphis on May 5th, 1993. Eccles had petitioned the Crittendown County Circuit Court in June to order... MVAC DNA or touch DNA testing be done on the shoelaces that bound the victims, Stevie Branch, Michael Moore, and Christ- Christopher Byers. That, penish- that petition was denied by Judge Tanya Alexander. And over and over, there's these examples of Damien trying to get the case reopened up to investigate it. And it's like, if he really did it, why would he want that? Why would he push for that? And then better yet, if why aren't the police investigating to figure out who did it? Or, but you know, and that's where the ego comes into play, and they probably just say, "Well, we think it was the, we still think it was the three boys, the teenagers, that did it." It's like, well, then why did you let them out? And then the counter would be, "Well, because there was all this pressure." You know, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know who did it. I'm skeptical about everything I hear. And since Eccles got out of prison, he's been practicing occultism. He was on Midnight Gospel, right? Duncan Trussell. We had a show about that. And to be fair, you know, I know nothing of the law, but I also have a problem with authority, so I'm a little bit, you know, uh, what do you call it? Biased. Now, what's interesting, there was an astrological link between Stranger Things Season 4 and the West Memphis 3. If you go to persephoneandco.org, they have this article. I'll read you a paragraph from it. With all that said, what links the West Memphis 3 to Stranger Things isn't only the fact that Damien Eccles was the inspiration for Eddie, as said according to the Duffer brothers, but also that Saturn, the planet of karma and social order, was in the same sign it is now. Back in 1993, Saturn was in Aquarius, just as today, 
which means that next year it will be returning to the degree it was at when (laughs) the initial crimes took place in West Memphis. When Saturn is in Aquarius, we see a lot of control being imposed by groups of people, and there's a tendency of showing judgment towards anyone who doesn't fit the norm, think Eddie, which sadly created an atmosphere where those little boys never got the justice they deserved. Now, Damien Eccles was asked about his thoughts on being the inspiration for Eddie, and Damien said, In case anyone else is wondering, I was was tremendously honored by it, and I greatly appreciate all the new eyes and hearts it has brought to our fight. I was watching it at 3 a.m. in the morning, and when I heard the very first chords from Master of Puppets, my heart exploded. And it's kind of crazy, because in a way, we've come full circle. Damien Eccles was accused of wearing black Metallica shirts. That's what they always talked about in the Paradise Lost documentaries. And, you know, and now it's <laughs> it's pop culture, right? Eight, 80s Metallica is the best Metallica, by the way. Master of Puppets, Ride the Lightning, Kill Them All. But uh, now it's like top 10, I don't know, Billboard song, pop songs, Master of Puppets because of this show. So very strange. Now, man, this analysis is going to take forever. We're still on episode one. Let's keep it moving. Joyce Byers, she ends up getting a Russian doll in the mail. Very ominous. She breaks it open. It's got some ransom notes saying the Hopper is still alive. Because remember, in season three, we think Hopper's dead. After she shuts down and explodes up the uh, Russian portal, Stargate portal or whatever, into the upside down. So we thought Hopper was dead. Well, maybe he's not. Max, she is uh, Lucas. Wait a minute, is she Lucas's sister? Anyway, Max, she's always listening to uh, Kate Bush on her walk, her Sony Walkman cassette tape Walkman, right? Because Kate Bush's song "Running Up That Hill." We're going to talk about that all the way through the show, and in the conclusion, we're going to decode the the lyrics for the song. Um, yeah, so they show us that the cheer, there's a cheerleader named Chrissy. And she's getting attacked by this spirit of sorts. And it lures her into the woods. You see this grandfather clock with some spiders breaking out. It's like this weird illusion. It's really messing with her head, right? And Eddie shows up and he's going to sell her some drugs, some marijuana cigarettes. All right. Meanwhile, you know, they're just kind of reintroducing all the characters and where they're at currently. You know, eight months after season three. Will Byers, he's obviously gay. In his room, he's got a a cure poster. Boys don't cry. His science project that you see him walking around with is of Alan Turing. The infamously gay godfather of computer science. Who I believe, didn't didn't he eat a cyanide apple and committed suicide? Which I find on that apple would use the, the bit, the the apple with a bite out of it which could either mean alan turing with the godfather of computer science or it's the apple from the garden of eden that eve took a bite of very insidious of apple so we watch this pep rally the jocks are talking about how hawkins is going to beat christian academy they're going to beat christian academy's candy asses a nod to the spiritual warfare that is existent in season four. Right there. Season one. It's right in your face. You may not recognize it. 
Hawkins, where the the portal is opening to the demonic upside down, they're going to beat Christian Academy. If you want to get conspiratorial about it, which we are, that's what we're doing here, everybody. Meanwhile, the Dungeons and Dragons game is going on. We've got Erica Sinclair. That Oh, that's Lucas's sister, yeah. Why, who's Max's? I'll, I'll think of it before the next one. Um, Erica Sinclair shows up to play Sinclair and Illuminati Bloodline. If you look up Fritz Springmeier's Bloodlines of the Illuminati, Sinclair is one of them. Uh, supposedly, this ties into the Priory of Scion and the Knights Templar and all that stuff, right? So, and then we see an image of the left eye covered up from Eddie. I'll post that on my Instagram. And there's a reason for that. That was done on purpose. The game, the Dungeons and Dragons game, they're talking about fighting this demon named Vecna, who's the main villain in the whole season, right? And if you look up Vecna in Dungeons and Dragons lore, it is a wizard that became a, a lich, a like. L-I-C-H, however you pronounce it. I, I'm thinking like, like lichens, like a wolf or something. I don't know. A, a, a like, which is defined as a spellcaster who seeks to defy death through magic. And Vecna is one of these. Vecna is a god that's missing his left eye and left hand. And his symbol is an eye in the palm of a left hand. Right? So when you see Eddie covering up the left eye, he's channeling Vecna. Because that's the, that is the claim being made here, is that Dungeons and Dragons, in a way, calls upon these dark satanic forces of Vecna. And here he is emulating it. And it happens. And it's also about the left-hand path. Antinomianism. Um, man becoming God, man finding salvation outside of the stream of heaven and the right-hand path gods. Now, funny enough, Wikipedia, they show a book called Vecna Lives, and it shows the eye in the palm, except the artist draws it in the right hand. I'm like, bro, like, did you even read about the Vecna? But anyways, Vecna shows up in season four. Vecna is this nihilist that wants to destroy all of humanity. It's the apocalyptical spiritual battle, right? So Chrissy goes, the cheerleader, she goes to Eddie's trailer because the marijuana cigarettes were not enough. She's like, I want that special K, that ketamine. She wants something a little harder. And she starts tripping up on these childhood traumas again. And, you know, with the, like how she was lured out in the woods with the, God, the grandfather clock and all that stuff. And the spirit comes after her disguised as her parents. All right. Now, this is very similar to Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger. And Freddy Krueger is, of course, a storyline about traumatizing child children's minds through this entity from another dimension from the dream world who just so happened to have been a, uh, you know, pedophile in real life. Well, in the, in the, before Freddy Krueger got killed by the parents in the town, he was a pedophile. That's why they killed him. And finally, we're introduced to Vecna at the end of the first episode, this ghoul who's able to hijack the minds of the children 
and he kills them the same way every time. He makes them levitate, then they all their bones break apart and kills them, which is what happens at the end of episode one to Chrissy. All right, and that's where the the season launches off, and that's where we conclude our part one. Part two. Stay tuned for part two. We're going to go deeper into Stranger Things season four. We're going to cover episodes two through six. So if you're just watching the show now, watch those episodes two, three, four, five, and six. That's going to be part two. Then part three is seven, eight, and nine. And part four will be just the conclusion of my predictions for season five. So thank you for listening. Stay subscribed to the podcast. If you like the show, leave a review on the iTunes because I get all kinds of haters on there dropping the one star. I need some five stars to make these haters go away. If you like the show and you want to support the show, that's how you can do it. Also, if you are an impatient son of a gun, you can buy... I'm going to upload all of these parts on my Gumroad store. Gumroad.com backslash Isaac W. You can support the show and fulfill your greed... And get all this, all that I'm going to talk about this whole month of September right now. Go to gumroad.com backslash Isaac W. All right. Thanks for your support, everybody. Until next time, stay woke. Stay woke.